0: KFGO FM Hope. And on the triple towers of power, the Mighty 790, KFGO Fargo. It's time for Game on Hockey with Travis Dunn and Scott Taylor on the Mighty 790 and 104.7, KFGO. Near side, Reese Gaver shoots score. Talking all things from the blue line to the red line. A breakaway for Caprizo. He's in. He's used and beyond. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. yeah, Now, here are your hosts, Travis Dunn and Scott Taylor.
1: Hey, hey, hey. from the Nillis Law Firm Studios and broadcasting on the Mighty 790 KFGO and 104.7 FM, this is Game on Hockey with Scott Taylor and Travis Dunn. Uh, we appreciate you joining us each and every Thursday. Uh, we might as well call this a drive time hockey hour perhaps at this point because of the fact that it's uh on at uh, five thirty in the afternoon uh, thanks to the guys for making the schedule fit uh and men's basketball of course at six thirty. so please make sure to stay tuned for that and with that we open the door and we let my good friend scott taylor in you know what scott we might as well maybe get a sponsor for this uh sponsoring the update of the knee in issues that you've been going through lately so hopefully you're doing well and uh Hope it's beautiful up there in the big city of Winnipeg. It's beautiful up there in the big city of Winnipeg. Well,
2: it's cold. It's like minus four hundred and twenty-six today. <laughs> oh, is um, cured, oh, is that it? I'm cured apparently. Is that it? Yeah, pretty cold. Um, but I was told by the doctor yesterday I'm cured. So I'm not. I'm not taking any more antibiotics, and I still have a swollen knee and some swollen other leg parts, but it's not as bad as it was. And um, I don't have any problems. I haven't really had any problems for a month. So. Yeah, so I guess I'm fine. Yeah, let's um, just hope I can it continues. Restart yeah, my let's track. Hope- um I'll probably get back into my running hundreds and two hundreds. I'm sure that uh that uh, by twenty twenty four I'll be ready to challenge whichever American track star is winning all those championships over in the Diamond League. I think I'll probably be back by then. But mm-hmm. as of today, I'm still a little bit sore, but I'm apparently cured so I'm no longer an injured reserve.
1: Well, a little nothing that a little sunshine won't do for all of us, a little bit of heat, so hope that gets here pretty soon. Well, we've got a pretty uh, jam-packed show today. We have uh, Brad Schlossman will be joining us, an unexpected guest, uh, as, as some emails from the University of Michigan. University of Michigan let it out many months ago. They didn't want to play in the Great Lakes Invitational Hockey Tournament. I almost said golf tournament. Invitational Hockey Tournament because, well, some of their stars weren't going to be at the University of Michigan. They were going to be playing in the World Junior Championship. So now that has has been released so Brad Schlossman and I will talk and we will both talk about that of course and what are the ramifications with that you know Brad Berry and the crew they've had guys have gone over to the World Juniors and the Olympics for that matter they didn't go hey we don't want to play games because you know because our star players aren't here so we'll have a talk with Brad Schlossman about that uh, best made plans. Doug Smale is bringing a hockey team from Denver, Colorado to the North Star Hockey Academy hockey tournament in Alexandria, Minnesota. Wouldn't you know what? The airplane was a little delayed getting into Minneapolis. So therefore, he's on a bus and he will be probably joining us about six o'clock ish, 605 ish, depending when they arrive in Alexandria. Or if they don't, they will be he will be on his phone doing a Zoom call, which, Scott, you and I have done before.
2: Mm-hmm. We have. Yeah. Technology is a wonderful
1: thing, isn't it? It really is. The technology is a fantastic thing. But we do appreciate, uh, you know, the the listeners that come and join us each week. Uh, we hope that we entertain. We've got some hot topics uh, as well. That there's a lot of things going on. Evander Kane. First, I'm, I have to go there first, Scott. Evander Kane been a pain in the tuckus since he was with Winnipeg Jets, with the Buffalo Sabers, with the San Jose Sharks. Cut loose because he had a fake COVID card. Well, the Edmonton Oilers now just signed him to a contract. What the heck? Answer that one, Scott.
2: Um, well, the, the Oilers are in a panic. Um, they're they're frightened. They're a mess. I mean, it's it, it's broken in Edmonton, and and they need people who can play the game. And if Evander Kane is right, I mean, if he's he's the Antonio Brown of professional hockey. Well put. If he's right, he's an outstanding hockey player. I mean, he can really play. Yeah, he can. But he's never been right anywhere. <laughs> um, the, uh, look, the Jets loved him when he when they first arrived from Atlanta. But it just got worse and worse and worse. And and my old friend, John Ferguson, the late, great John Ferguson, was asked one time why he made a trade for a certain player. And he made the trade because he said, I'm tired of the headaches. I'm losing sleep. The guy's an idiot. I don't want him around. He gives me a headache. So I traded my headache to somebody else, and he can have the headache now. And in this case, San Jose released Evander Kane because their feeling there was, let somebody else have the headache. So now it's Ken Holland's headache. And the wildest thing I've seen today is there are two betting sites that have a plus minus of 15 games in Edmonton. Really? That he'll last 15.
1: I'm going to go over under, baby. I'm going to go under on that one. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'll go under on that one. You don't but think he'll last fifteen games in not, Edmonton? Uh, boy, you know he, he's he's proven he hasn't lasted anywhere else very long. So fifteen, yeah, it's probably over. But you know, I'm gonna I'm a gambler. I'll go under. What the heck? You're gonna take the over, aren't
2: you? I'll take the over. I think you will last longer than fifteen because I really truly believe that the Edmonton Oilers are in such a mess that they're gonna try to make this work. They're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to make this thing succeed. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him on. Uh, Connor McDavid's line quickly. Um, what, they're going to try to make this work and make
1: him happy. Well, that would make him happy, of course. Uh, but also Dave Tippett, a stronger personality with his his coaching style. Dave Tippett, of course, everything goes through University of North Dakota. So Dave Tippett, a former Sioux hockey player 1982, national <laughs> champion, <laughs> uh, played in, played for the Hartford Whalers, one of your all-time favorite teams. But he's the coach yeah. of the team, a very strong personality. Would would that make a difference with Evander Kane?
2: my guess is the strong personality might make it worse
1: Yeah, I because he's
2: the, because Dave Tippett doesn't put up with it.
1: That's that's true.
2: Historically, he has not been one of those guys. Like we had Claude Noel here when, when Evander Kane was here and Claude's general impression was kind of a shrug and eh, well, that's the way he is. He can really play, but that's, you know, that's the way he is. And, and so he stuck around longer than a lot of people expected. Um, Weak personalities have trouble with Evander Kane. The strong personalities, I don't, I can't imagine those two mix. And what the real mess could be, ultimately, is if Kane and Tippett knock heads, who's Ken Holland supporting? Who that, keeps their job?
1: That's your minus. Oh, that's, the, that's I mean,
2: I think that's going to be a really interesting part of this. That's my
1: mess. winning bet, under 15 if they butt heads. <laughs> so what we're going to do with that, we're going to open the door. We have our, our sponsored content, the Pilot Mount Hockey Academy, Pilot Mount Manitoba. We have, you know, and... Who would have thought hockey teams would have had this in the past? Uh, someone who is the director or you know, social media coordinator. No one, ever, I never have dealt with a social media coordinator at that level of hockey before. But with that, we're going to open a door and let Carson McConnell in. Uh, Carson, you're the uh, social media coordinator and director of officiating. Boy, I can I can only imagine which one of those is your favorite activity on a daily basis. But uh, welcome to welcome to Game On Hockey.
3: <laughs> thanks for having me
1: on here go ahead scott fire away with the so, question so,
2: so let us know what is your favorite job do you like being the director of officiating more or do you like sitting in front of the computer screen and having fun with those kids that play a pilot mount
3: uh, You know i enjoy both but you know weekends are definitely my refing time and during the week is my hockey academy time so i've kind of splittered pretty good and i enjoy both and i enjoy being around all the kids
1: both on the ice and off the ice. You know, yeah. So, yeah. As a social media director now, the importance, you know, with, with academies all over the country now and, and getting obviously with COVID, you know, some of the lack of uh, travel by scouting staffs, et cetera, the social media aspect of that, does that also include getting uh, video of players to those interested in seeing these players for potential recruitment into college?
3: Yeah, it's definitely any way we can promote the kids, right? Uh, last year there wasn't a whole lot of scouts in the stands, so this year them getting back and back onto the ice and and into the showcases. It's important for us to promote them with video, even just pictures, just the small things to to give them that ex- extra boost and encouragement to just to give them that that step to advance to junior hockey and for our girls onto collegiate hockey.
2: Well, I have to say one thing: your technology is better than your dad's. Because Rick battled with it for the first couple of shows we had. and finally looked to to get it together. I suspect you were there to make sure it worked. Um, But the world has has changed technically. And you're part of the generation that has helped make that change. Is this something you see going on now more and more and more around the country? That These teams, these leagues, um, especially academies that are uh, in a really tough recruiting war in Manitoba. I mean, there are enough of them here um but this is now part of the of, of the job and a part of uh, running an academy and what it's about
3: yeah that's it's definitely added to the playing field because I mean if you're a, a student athlete and you're looking for a place to go you're either going to look at their website you're going to look at their social media accounts you want to see everything that goes on on a on a day-to-day basis and all these media channels are a great way for them to get an idea of what a day in the life of a student athlete is at a Canadian sports school league uh program and and I, I think we do a good job at the Hockey Academy. We kind of advance into different things. So it's not always just about hockey, right? We have a lot of improvements in school and the off-ice activities. Like lately, we've been taking them to spin classes. just all that extra stuff that kind of makes the atmosphere of a, of a hockey academy.
2: So then you get to the weekends and you're the director of officiating. Do you call Pilot Mound Games or do you let somebody else do that?
3: Well, Pemina Valley is extremely short on referees. so. I try and assign as many games to everybody else and I take whatever is left over for myself. I'm usually just lining and, and not head refereeing just because I'm too involved. But there is times where I am stuck and I absolutely hate it because I do have relationships with all the kids. But you no know, weekends, I, I tend to be off the ice with with our kids, but I'm definitely on the ice somewhere else.
1: Shortage, so you talk, talk about shortage. Sorry, Scott, for that. But uh, the okay. shortage of, of referees in is becoming a, a pandemic in itself, isn't it?
3: Yep, 100%. I honestly usually spend half hour, 45 minutes trying to find referees for six games that we have on a weekend. Like it is so time consuming just because we don't have those numbers. And there's so many games going on, right? Like if there's a A midget or sorry U U18 game and a junior game going on between Ward and Winkler, it's hard to get those elite guys out here to, to do our academy games. We do have some local guys that do help out too, which is awesome. So,
2: so when we talk about director officiating, you're not the director of officiating in Pilot Mound. You're the director of officiating for all Pemina Valley.
3: Yeah, correct? so I have the t- yeah I have the title with Pilot Mound, so I do all the assigning and all the issuing, But I, I also help with Pemina Valley. So Jaden Weave from Winkler is the head head, but him and I work alongside each other just because it's such a big job.
2: Wow, that's a lot of games to have to assign. How many referees are there, and how many linesmen are there in your area? And do you have now? Are you in a situation where guys could one night be a linesman and the next night be a referee.
3: Yeah, so right now we have I think we'd say 10 full-time referees that usually just referee and then we have probably 45 linesmen that just want to stick to lining. And then we have our guys like me that do lots of both. So we kind of flip the hat and and do it all. But I think it's just about rotating and, and knowing your boundaries, right? So when you say, okay, I can't do this game because I've already done six today, <laughs> well, exaggeration. <laughs> but just knowing that, okay, when I get tired, I'm not good. We need to get some new guys in here. And we've got lots of young blood, so that's nice too.
1: You're listening to Game on Hockey on 790 KFJ and on 104.7. FM uh, out of Fargo, North Dakota. We appreciate you each and every Thursday night joining us. Uh, join us. Uh, keep continue listening at 630. You UN, and University of North Dakota men's basketball will take place and uh, more entertainment, uh, more basketball, uh, more sports uh, all evening long. You know, all the, it's almost to the point now, of course, Pilot Mount Hockey Academy could be. Has there ever been a thought of a of a of a an officiating academy? Because the, the road to the National Hockey League, they, they need referees as well, Scott, don't they? And, I, you know, I think this may be an opportunity, Carson.
3: Yep, no, it's definitely an idea that, that's come up before because it's just like hockey teams. you got to find kids to be willing to jump in and give it a try.
1: Well, we appreciate that. Well, uh, Pilot Mount, uh the, the team's obviously are having a successful year in spite of all the other challenges that go on. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on. It's great to get to know you, Carson. And, uh, well, we'll have you on again before the season's over with, I imagine playoffs aren't too far off down the line, are they?
3: Nope, yeah, middle of March, all three programs we heading out to – bc and go for the championship
1: well that's pilot mount hockey i mean how can people follow the pilot mount hockey academy give us the information you're the guy that should be talking about that
3: yeah our twitter and instagram we're at pm buffaloes and on facebook and youtube uh, will be under pilot mount hockey academy pmha
1: Fantastic. Hey, appreciate you joining us, uh, joining us uh, I, I, again every week. We have a pilot mountain sponsored part of it is it's great to keep up with how things are going and learning something new about social media within hockey academy is something I didn't, I was not aware of. So thanks very much for joining us today.
3: Yes. Thanks for having me on guys. You got thanks, it.
1: Thanks Carson. Well, Scott, again, things we learn about, you know, the importance of the social media aspect of things now, especially when, when players want to make the next step and with challenges with scouts, getting to those venues. It's gotta be. It's gotta be the wave it, of the if future. I, if
2: I'm a young player who wants to play college hockey someplace, or just wants to play junior, you know, we've talked about the fact the number of players that have gone from Pilot Mound to junior hockey in Manitoba. Um, if if I just want to be that type of player to get from Pilot Mound into junior hockey or college hockey, I want a full time social media director as part of the the deal when I buy into this thing. I want to make sure there's somebody there who's going to send my tapes out. Right to college coaches, to junior coaches that I know that there's one guy. And if, and if I feel like I'm um, not getting what I need, I can say to that guy, Hey, uh, would you send my tape to Minot? You just said you tape, my tape to You just said tape, but now it's, said not, tape. it's not because even it, tape. I, it's recording, it's recording. Wh- whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. Yeah. I'm an old guy. So I say tape, but <laughs> the reality is, is you've got to get these videos out to people. Right. And, um, and I think there's a lot of players that are being asked, do you have a video? And Absolutely. Carson's the guy, Pilot Mound, who has the
1: videos. A lot different from the day that I walked up and walked on at UND and said, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and they said, why? You know, <laughs> they had no clue in heck I was. But someone who has a clue about everything about University of North Dakota. And, and I wanted to have him on today because, well, first of all, he covers University of North Dakota men for the Grand Forks Herald. Does it so very well, men's hockey team. But uh, some interesting things going on with University of Michigan. Brad Schlossman, welcome to your first time on Game On with Scott Taylor. Now, you and Scott go back a little ways, don't you?
4: Oh, yeah Yeah. it's great to finally be on with you guys we we've been trying to like set up shows and it seems like every time it's unable to work so when you finally said uh 545 today it was like we made it we did it we did it absolutely well i
1: know you want to get out the door by six o'clock so so the, the story is this university by the way listen to game on hockey on the mighty 790 104.7 fM the story is this University of Michigan uh, didn't want to play in the Great Lakes because, well, their star players are playing in the World Junior Championship. Those emails were now looked back upon. And uh, give us the entire story here. And what ramifications might this have moving forward?
4: Well, first of all, uh, they are playing the GLI over when the World Juniors. And Michigan released this very odd statement that said they were going to play the first game, but not the second. And right away, that raised a lot of questions. Because if, if if they say... We, we're not going to play the first game, but we're going to play the second. Then you just assume, well, hey, there's some guys who are probably in COVID protocol. They're going to get out in time to play the second, but not in time to play the first. That happens. Like teams have had to push back games a day for this reason. But the first game, but not the second, like that doesn't make any sense. So right away, it raises some questions. And I, I think what we're all wondering is how many guys are available? And because they said for health reasons, they can only play one game. And so, again, that's very odd. I'm thinking they must have 12, 13 guys, and they say, hey, we can push it for one game. Well, then the line chart comes out, and they have a full 18 guys playing in that first game. And so now you're like, okay, well, you had a full lineup, and you can play today, but not these guys can't play tomorrow. None of this makes sense. Um, you know, Mel Pearson said it was a decision that was made by the medical team there. Again, raises tons of questions like what is their medical protocol here? Like if they only have, a you know, none of it added up. And then um, someone uh, FOIA'd uh, Freedom Information Request Act. So the uh, coach's emails and found in uh, a couple emails that show actually he was trying to get out of playing those games and he was doing it back to the summer so he knew all along he wasn't gonna have the world junior guys there and he didn't want to play without them um you know i think there's a lot of different points that could go into it uh number one you schedule the games you know you you know you play the games that you schedule uh you know i i also think what kind of message it sends to the team the 18 guys who were there like, you don't think these guys are even worthy of trying to play with them? And, and they had, like, two first-round picks and, like, seven draft picks. Like, it wasn't a bad team. And, I you know, and, and I think we've just been it through two years where we've had games canceled, things out of uh, everyone's hands, um, reasons that players can't play, fans can't watch and now all of a sudden we have a, a game where they can play and they decide not to because they don't like their roster enough. You know, I, I don't think I I don't think we want to go down that road. Um, I don't think we want teams coming up to Thursday and saying, you know, actually, uh, you know, Reese Gaber is going to be out this week and let's, let's just not play. <laughs> you know, like that, that I, I think that should, that should be happening. Um, and uh, clearly, you know, I, I know they were down a lot of guys, but you know, every, every other team's dealt with this. Every team has dealt with this in the last two years. I, I don't know what team hasn't. And so, um, you know, pr- problematic to say the least.
2: Does hockey have the same kind of rule as NCAA division one basketball? <laughs> Cause I just found out recently that in NCAA Division I basketball, you must have seven scholarship players available to play or it's not a team. Does that happen in hockey with numbers? So
4: each league has kind of protocols. Uh, Like the the NCHC, they have a certain number of players where um, if you go under this, you can go to the league and say, hey, these are our numbers, and they probably will cancel the game. However, you do have situations where you can still request to play. Uh, For example, Colorado College, one of the the things is you need two goalies. Or you're supposed to, if you go under two goalies, you can say, hey, we only have one goalie, and they could. Colorado College last year at the tournament, they only had one goalie. Colorado College asked, hey, this is our team, can we play? And they said, sure. So they played. They only had one goalie. Um, But, you know, obviously, if you go down, like, short guys I get it like you 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 know if you're down to 13 guys and like one goalie and you say hey this isn't safe I get it that 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 probably isn't but when you have 18 guys you can play you know that's not what happened to you if if it was I'd, I'd, I'd say hey like I get it
1: you know, but, yeah, as important as pairwise points are, to your point, Brad, and well, by the way, that's Brad Schlossman, the uh, great writer for the Grand Forks <laughs> Herald, covering University of North Dakota men's hockey, all hockey season long. But, you know, all of a sudden you go, those pairwise points are very important. All of a sudden you're, say, you're, you're teetering on the last game of the year of getting in or getting out. I don't think anybody's going to do that, but Mel Pearson set a precedent.
4: And and I, I think that's the risk. I I think that's part of the reason I've, been critical of it's because um theoretically you could go to the nchc frozen face off there can be a semi-final game there you can crunch the pair wise and do all the scenarios because there's only so many games left to be played and you could say hey if we don't play we're in the tournament and just say see ya we're not going to play that could happen and, and I think when, when you talk about teams setting the precedent, everything in sports is copycat.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: If other teams see teams, hey, well, they did it. Why don't we do it? I, I think there is a real risk of that happening, which is one of the reasons I have been critical, because uh, I think that's the um, way to prevent against it right now. is Because uh, there is no recourse. The NCAA can't rule the forfeit the leaks that there is no recourse for that. So the only recourse is, you know, people being critical of it. And so I, I, I don't think uh, it's good for uh, anyone. I don't think it's good for the athletes who want to play games. Uh, And and trust me, I'm guessing those Michigan kids wanted to play. You, You had kids there who for the last two years have barely got to play if at all. And they have isolated from friends. They have taken the uh, covid tests once a week getting that uh, q-tip shoved up to their brain once a week they have practiced every day and now they finally got their chance to play and their coach said nah we're not going to play like how do you feel if you're that kid yeah, i mean it
1: can't feel very very good so. well i tell you what brad i promise you get out the door you're gonna, you're gonna have to get out the door yeah. by 6 p.m Uh, right? So I appreciate you jumping on board with us. We're going to have you back again. These guys are true journalists, by the way, Scott Taylor, Brad Schlossman. These guys are true journalists and they do do it so well. And the importance of good journalism in this case and pushing the case with Michigan is extremely important. If you didn't think it beforehand, now, you know, because Brad has told you it is important because the precedent can be set. Brad, thanks very much for joining us. Scott, another great segment, Brad Schlossman delivered.
2: Oh, it's great to see him. I'm, the last time I think we hooked up, we were kind of sitting beside each other in a playoff game two or three years ago. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a long time ago in Winnipeg. But, but hey, happy winter. Happy New Year.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think, I'm glad we finally got to uh, connect here and we'll do it again soon. You got it. Great. I appreciate Thanks, it. Brad. Brad. Thanks for jumping on board Thanks, with guys. us.
1: Well, Scott, we'll take a quick break and we come back. Uh, Doug Smith will be joining us eventually, but we have some hot topics to go over and then Doug will join us. We'll have him for, a, for the rest of the show. Uh, for, but with that, we'll take a break from the Law Firm Studios. You're listening to Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790, KFGO and 104.7 FM.
0: kfgo fm hope and on the triple towers of power the mighty 790 kfgo
1: fargo Uh, it is a beautiful thursday night in fargo north dakota wherever you may be listening whatever device you're listening to us on we are on youtube live so you get to see the beautiful face of scott taylor doug smale is waiting in the waiting room for us and uh and my mugs, so each and every Thursday night you get to do that. Remember to stay tuned. At 6.30 will be U and men's basketball. Uh, hopefully they'll get off the schneid and break that eight-game losing streak. But uh, first of all, this is the Nillis Law Firm studio, established in the early 1900s. The Nillis Law Firm provides legal services in more than 10 areas of practice, including business and corporate law estate planning, wills and trusts, probate, commercial litigation, adoption services, and real estate. A division of Nillis Law Firm is Northern Title, which provides complete closing and escrow services, along with title insurance policies for all types of real estate transactions in North Dakota, as well as Minnesota. Call Nillis Law Firm at 701-237-5544, or look them up on the World Wide Web at Law. Dot com. We appreciate them sponsoring us all season long. And and uh, Doug, uh, two weeks ago, we had the great Bernie Perrant on. And Scott Taylor was absolutely giddy with that. And when I told him I was efforting getting you on, he was even more giddy. So with that, I'm going to let Scott start it off because he's smiling. He's jumping up and down, even on the bad knee. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get this halfway uh, uh, underway. But thanks very much for joining us. it uh, been a busy, long travel day for for you today. Thanks, Rob.
5: I'm thanks for having it. me, Travis.
2: If I'm going to ask the first question, my first question should be about Doug and his hockey team. But I go back way too far with Doug Smale to ask about what's going on today. I just want to know, was that 1984, 85 Winnipeg Jets team, the best team you ever played on? And sh- was it the second best hockey team in the national hockey league that year?
5: Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, um, I, The best hockey team I ever played on was the 1980 national champion fighting Sioux hockey team. So that's, (laughs) that's uh, um, still my, uh, my mantra. Um, Actually as a pro though, I think uh, um, we had another team in the, we had three teams in Winnipeg uh, uh, because there was such a revolving door with half the team and the coaching staff there. There were three teams that were contenders in the, in the eighties that were, I would say top top third of the league um anytime you battle into the nhl and you're you're considered a top 13 that's tall cotton so 84 85 certainly was a good hockey club both pee and vinegar we were missing probably missing one maybe two players um and uh the late great dale harachuk was always grumpy about the one player that we were missing in a key position and uh um but uh, uh that was a darn good hockey club and uh, unfortunately that season dale broke a rib and uh, didn't get to didn't get to keep us bumping along
2: that team had six 30 goal scores of which you were one I don't think that's happened again has it
5: uh no I don't believe so I think the Islanders were the team before that did it and uh everybody knows the legacy of the the Islanders and to the hockey world from uh one Jaw man to another Jaw family uh please condolences to the to the Islanders and to the Clark Gillies family for in his passing
1: You know, absolutely. You know, and uh, yeah, what a, what a, what a big man, what a, uh, what a gentleman on top of it. And what a loss to the, to the New York York Islanders and the National Hockey League as well, Doug, one thing I'm looking back at now, you know, I run the hockey DB thing and one thing you were really good at when you were younger and, and you, through your NHL career, you could score goals. Good Lord, 60 goals in 57 games. Is that, was that what you wanted to do or it just came naturally to you?
5: Um, uh, I, I think that, uh, goal scoring is something that everybody loves to do. I don't care who you are as a hockey player. Look at, uh, look at, uh, big Reeves in New York the last week. They're getting a couple, he's smiling from ear to ear. And so everybody likes to score goals. I think that, uh, um, you have a nose for the net and, and, uh, if you have a nose for the net, uh, uh, there's something there that is, is innate in some, in some cases. And, uh, um, Somewhere along the way, I seem to lose my instinct for that in the <laughs> NHL. But I think uh, no, I think it was it was always something that was uh, was a part of my game.
1: Well, I tell you what, one thing that I never could do was score goals. I could block shots, of them off my neck, even back in the day, Doug. But uh, one thing I can I know you are, and and I, I had uh, Darren Jensen on my Saturday morning show here last week, and we talked about uh, you know the very thing about uh, your acting career. Uh, it really came to the forefront in 1980 when, when a contact lens slipped out of Darren Jensen's eye during a national championship game, and you had to and you were told to take a dive that no one knew on the team that you were going to take. Uh, it, it Walk through that scenario and how it was uh, brought about without the rest of the team knowing that was going to happen. It scared the heck out of us.
5: Well, actually, uh, uh, Jenny or uh, the situation came up where one of his contact was dislodged, and uh, he couldn't see, so he was... Somebody need to do something. I overheard the guy saying it and I, nobody suggested I do it. I just said, I got this. <laughs> and so it, it, it just, it just happened that we won the draw and puck came to me, went down the boards and Tommy Laidlaw stepped up. And as he came to hit me, I bailed out and fell backwards and it looked like a real bad hit and I just stayed down and, uh, it, it wasn't a bad hit at all. And, uh, um, yeah, so it, it, it uh, there's a little. Settling on the ice, and people come running over, and I just laid there. erwin Martins, I remember, was over there. He was <laughs> actually laughing, and, and he said, "Keep your head down. You're laughing too hard." And so it was, it was kind of funny. And because uh, AJ, our trainer, had to come over, and then he slipped the uh, contact lens solution into Irwin's glove, and uh, then Irwin took off and went down, and he got his contact fixed. But yeah, it was uh, it was a fun deal.
1: It really was. We know what we're going to do, guys. We're, we need to take a quick break to kind of catch up on the, on the commercial breaks here to pay for this fun and frivolity we have to do each and every week. Uh, Doug, you're going to hang out here until 630, and until we finish yeah. this show. off. We've got a lot of good stories to tell. Uh, Scott Taylor's got a lot more questions, and he's still giddy about having you on. So we appreciate it. Uh, you're listening to Game on Hockey on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Uh, this is Game on Hockey every Thursday night. Make sure to stay tuned at 630, University of North Dakota Men's Basketball. With my broadcast partner, Scott Taylor, we have, uh, well, again, Scott's giddy. He's a fan favorite. He's <laughs> Doug Smale, a former teammate of mine. I'm uh, very proud of this young man. He's done a lot of great things and a lot of great things for a lot of young men coaching hockey for uh, today. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, Scott, you have a bunch of more questions so far away at Doug, so go right ahead.
2: How did you develop the speed? I mean, we go back, you're coaching now and you're coaching kids and you're teaching kids how to play hockey but you were one of the fastest players we had seen in the 80s when you entered the national hockey league how did you do it how did you become the skater that you became
5: you know a, a couple of short stories here number one i met north dakota and, and uh in my last year carol wilson rick wilson's uh, fantastic wife and uh, she was our power skating coach and and uh she hadn't spoken to me all year about my skating and i uh i said carol i i finally went up to her i said carol um, is there, so that I do something wrong? Am I a hopeless case? Am I lost? You haven't come up to me and said one thing about my skating. You haven't corrected one thing. You know, my, 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 my gate, my stride, my edge work. You haven't said anything. I said, am I a lost cause? And she looked at me, she says, all you need to do is go home tonight or go to your dorm room, pick up the phone, call your mom and dad, and thank you for what they gave you because I can't correct anything about your stride. It's about as perfect as I've seen. And I don't, I'm not saying that arrogantly, that's just what she said. I, I knew that, you know, after I started analyzing my own stride, I knew I had a few things to change, but, um, uh, so I, my parents, I guess they were both athletes and they gave me my genetics, number one. Number two, I played every sport growing up. I was, we did nothing but just run and, and skate and just work and just, you know, so you develop some athleticism that way. And then, uh, um, key to genetics um when i was signing with winnipeg when i signed with winnipeg i asked john ferguson i said john i said uh uh, why did you sign me? i had 14 nhl interested parties um had several offers and why were you the one that that made this offer it it was it was equal to two other teams or but i I decided on winnipeg and i said why did you offer me what you did and he said no dougie when i was growing up and i was playing junior hockey in melville um uh, senior teams used to come to 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 Melville and I used to go to the games and there was this one guy he was a it was a small guy and, and uh, um, he came in I just he just worked like a dog and he just kept working and working and working and working and working and uh, being from Saskatchewan uh, uh, he said uh, he said uh, when they saw me play he, he made me paint he paid me a talent compliment about my skills. And he said, we, we have to have them and, and, and and W this, if he can work 10% as hard as that guy, um, who was another small guy, then we we're going to sign him for sure. And, uh, I said, that's great for you, but what does that have to do with me? What does that guy have to do with me? He said, Doug, that guy I was watching was your father. And so that's where I got my legs. It was from my dad.
2: Wow. Wow. So you say you played all the other sports. Is that what you recommend to the kids in your program?
5: Yeah, we have, uh, at, 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 uh, Rocky Mountain Rough Riders in Colorado. We have, we have Rough Rider baseball. We have Rough Rider basketball, Rough Rider volleyball. Um, we're, we're, we're moving on to other areas. Uh, Tony Zadeo from Thunder Bay, uh, ex North Dakota guy. Um, he's the one that owns the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. He. You know, I talked to him about branding the program with Rough Riders years ago, and uh, he's so behind it and expanding it to the model of a uh, sports club in Europe. Uh, our guys don't get to get to play those other sports at, at our ages, but they're they're certainly welcome to. Um, but I certainly recommend, you know, a young guy growing up playing numerous sports if they can.
1: Well, one thing, Doug, uh, to clarify, you did I hear this correctly? You were, you were a shortstop in baseball. You were offered baseball scholarships as well, or opportunities to play college hockey or college baseball, pardon me, in the States.
5: Uh, yeah, when I was 16, I was offered, it was actually a prep school deal set up by the Cincinnati Reds and their Canadian school, Western Canada scout. And, uh, they had me targeted to a division one school after that. And, uh, yeah, I was fortunate in that. And, um, that's a funny story with that guys. And, 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 uh, and doing that, my dad was a big baseball guy. He wanted to take the deal. And I, I said, no, I, I just thought to myself, "Cheaper, short, white Canadian going down to the States to play ball. I don't know how that's going to work. And my buddy actually took the deal and he went down, he came back after his first year and he saw, he saw me at a party and we didn't even say hello to each other. He just looked at me. He said two words, good choice. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, why? And he said, cause they all run like a deer. They knock the cover off the ball and they throw the ball from center field on a rope and he said there's a lot of
1: them yeah yeah, yeah scott yeah. scott one thing i have to share uh you know that i was a free agent I'd, i you know like doug I'd, i wasn't drafted at, at on my 18th birthday, and I uh, played JV hockey at UND. You don't get drafted at a JV very often, do you, Dougie? Uh, but uh, the uh, the Winnipeg Jets was, was someone that one of my uh, Don Baisley had talked to about me, and Don Basley wasn't my agent, but he was agents for Anders Hedberg, uh, Alf Nilsson, some very good hockey players. He said, "Well, no, he's not good enough. Your t- Dunn's too slow. The reason I was too slow is I practiced against this guy named Doug Smale, and I the, the best." banner i ever saw ever at the winnipeg arena was the definition of speed moving at a snail's pace that one of our drills was doug remember this one defenseman stand at center ice you would start in the corner when you hit the blue line you had to turn and try to catch you by the blue line by the time <laughs> i turned you were already shooting the puck on the net so there's no point in me even doing some of these uh, drills I,
5: I think you're exaggerating no, no, there's no exaggeration. Well, <laughs>
1: I, I I got to chop you down with with my big stick, but that wouldn't have worked very well either because Gina wouldn't appreciate that. But the, the one thing about that, his speed made the rest of us better because we had to practice against him on a regular basis, Scott. And uh, that was that was a difficult circumstance, believe you me.
2: Well, he wasn't a bad hockey player in the National Hockey League either. No, no, he wasn't. He was a good no. college player, but not a bad NHL player. <laughs> How do you like coaching? I mean, that's, that's a big step for a lot of guys is to, to, to stay in the game and coach. And a lot of guys want to coach in the National Hockey League, but you're coaching young men. Um, uh, what's it like for you? Do you like it? Is it is it something that uh, you always wanted to do? Uh,
5: I, I actually, my my son, uh, bless his heart, he uh, he, he kind of drugged me into it, and uh, uh, some guys asked me to help out with a program down there, and um, I got involved, and and. Uh, my mind is, is one that I have to have, have a plan to go forward with. So when I started coaching, I, I started writing business plans for coaching and business plans for how I had to try and get the, the hardest thing for guys that you're just players. I believe the hardest thing for guys as players is to take everything that all the coaching staffs give us through our pro, pro career. And I mean, you look in Winnipeg, you got the Tommy Watts from the Tommy McBee's to the Tommy Watts, two different kinds of styles. And you got the, the Brian Sutherland, Barry Long's, the Bob Murdoch's, the Dan Maloney's and, and uh, um, a lot of different guys that were, were coaching us. And so you, you try and take everything you've gotten from your NHL career, your playing career, and you try and put it into a coaching format. And so all the stuff that's jumbled into our head, you try and get it out to an ordered fashion and try and get it out to an ordered fashion, depending on the age and skill and, and the, the mentality. And so um, I've enjoyed putting the structure together, um, you know, for, for our you know, coaching staff with the AAA program and uh, laying down the way that I think it's best um, in, in a structural format and letting the coaches run with their, with their skill sets, but I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the kids. Um, it's, it's more difficult every year because I, you know, the, uh, to use the, the, the modern day term of the woke generation, it, uh, there's been a, a huge loss, uh, what I'll call, um, some integrity in the game, uh, I guess. And, uh, um, it, uh, you guys there
1: yeah we're still here keep talking yeah
5: yeah and so it's 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 there's there's a little more difficulty in what what they have to do boys and, and have to what they have to deal with uh socially uh what they have to do um and the things that are coming at them socially uh to focus on the sport it's a lot more difficult for them and and coaches um to keep a boy on task i guess you would say and and that's difficult and yet uh it's it's really rewarding. I enjoy the time with the guys in uh our thirteens through eighteens and and uh also with another organization that I work with. It's a, a small organization, but there's four or five hundred kids in it. And so I'm the director of skill development for and we we just it's just been really enjoyable putting something into the boys' lives and trying to guide them into the social world as we know it here. The last two years has been difficult, but really rewarding.
1: That's the voice of Doug Smale former UND Fighting Sioux, former Moose Jaw Canuck, by the way, former Winnipeg Jet, uh, a Cardiff Devil. Well, we might ask a few questions about that moving forward as well. Uh, You're listening to Game on Hockey with Scott Taylor and Travis Dunn each and every Thursday night. Again, make sure to stay tuned at 6.30. University of North Dakota men's uh, basketball uh, coming up, but I have to also throw this in. This segment brought to you by the Golf Center in Grand Forks. Uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, has got a great, great place to go buy golf equipment. in business for 35 years. Custom club fitting from Ping. PXG, Tylus and tailor-made as well as custom putter fitting. They also have Sky Track, where you can practice in your garage. And uh, stop in to South Columbia Road 3001. Talk to the guys, Brian Leach, and then and, and they'll get you set up. Uh, golf season's right around the corner, and one thing that I know Doug Smell did, uh, he got up an airplane one time and uh, in Denver, Colorado, Scott, and said, "This is kind of rather nice compared to Grand Forks in January. I think I'll live here." So, thus is the reason. He lives in Colorado at this point, but now this weekend you're in Alexandria, Minnesota to explain North star Academy. Uh, we have pilot mound Academy as a sponsor of a, one of our segments here, the growth of the hockey Academy world, Doug, it is really blown me out of the water.
5: Yeah, I think uh, we we've, we've taken a, a little bit of that bent too. We, we have a, an Academy of school within our program as well. And um, I, I just got to tip my hat to all the boys across Canada and, uh, you know, a growing number in the United States. The prep school thing has exploded out east, obviously, for years now. Um, the, uh, the opportunity to um, develop uh, the athletes in the academy setting and the prep school setting is, uh, you, you can't compete with it under the old circumstances. Uh, I think it is absolutely uh, the stock of the future um there's so many more touches they get on the ice there's so many more touches they get in the training room so many touches in the skill room we put a we built a skill room in our facility last year where the guys do they get uh, two to three sessions a week in that skill room where they're working on all kinds of mechanical skating movements all kinds of mechanical hand and stick handling movements and the hockey academies uh just have have expanded the developmental capability of of a program or organization or team
2: we have talked often on, on this show about uh, the growth of hockey in the United States, uh, how much better it's getting, and and the fact that the NCAA Division I is now in Arizona, it's going to South Dakota, um, it, it's going to go on to Long Island, um, it is growing every, every year, almost every day. How much better is the hockey in Denver from when you started this program to how it is now?
5: well how are your numbers are your numbers rising oh well our numbers in in our associations are 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 really good and uh uh, the 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 biggest growth the last couple years has been in girls it's just out of this world with girls hockey um the quality of development the quality of development um for the both the boys and the girls program is is dynamically changing again boys in the academy environment but the depth of coaching and, and going down the details from skating hands division to, to gameplay development all across the board is is much more specific than it used to be and i i get on the ice with one group every tuesday night of about 50 u8 kids and it's one of my fun, funnest times of the week, but we set up a, we set up a system. I got a system set up for all the dad coaches are out there and some of the other coaches and they walk through what I, what I lay down, but it's specific. It's detailed. They don't stop for an hour. Now we got them in different tranches where they, they, they got about a 12 second rest between every rep that they do for a full hour. Now these are seven and eight year olds. So it's uh, you're, you're challenged. I mean, myself, I I'm, I'm, I try to challenge myself to what we lay down for the kids. And, you know, these uh, we we do some camps sometimes. And so this is the level of guys that they're challenging each other. I think in Colorado, we're challenging each other across the different associations. They say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's it's fun. It's a, the it's a hockey world. It's the family of hockey. It's great. I had some people in I was talking to this week that are, you know, that are, uh, you know, thinking of coming to this association from California. They're considering. And I said, look, I said, it's just a family. I know all the guys there, they know all the guys here. There's we're talking 1500 kids in the three associations. And and yet here's what uh, here's what we all bring together. And it's such a neat family. It's in, and, and through this COVID thing, you gotta understand this, this COVID thing has been hell on kids. And uh, what we've been able to see in the hockey world is this is a place where we largely kept it together. Even the start of it last year in 2020, where these kids didn't see anybody for six weeks, eight weeks. They came back and we were acting like Red Skelton on skates just to get an emotion out of them because they closed off, but it was, it was such good fun. We got them back and, and our environment has been special. It's actually gotten better through this because it's closened us up and, and, and tightened the family up. And it's just been a blast. I mean, it's just been a blast with these young kids.
2: Now this team you've got in Alexandria is a pretty good hockey team. Tell us about uh, the Rough Riders.
5: Um, our, our Rough Rider program is continuing to develop. Um, we're uh, as an 18 team, we compete very good every year. Um, we uh, we don't um, we don't have the scholarship money as some other programs. Um, we don't uh, we don't recruit as heavily as other programs, but we compete. We're proud of what we do uh, at our older our, our midget teams and how they go to compete with our local our local boys. Uh, how we push them on, um, uh, not actually how we get them we get them to a place where other teams like them and, uh, in junior hockey, et cetera. And so, and, and onto division one and division three, et cetera. So we're, 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 competitive. Um, uh, we're, you know, we were at nationals last year. We hope to get there again this year. Um, um and we, uh, we compete, we compete. So we're, we're, we're pretty proud of our boys and, uh, they, they put in a lot of work on a daily basis and a weekly basis with the, with the ice sessions, the off ice training, the skill room, the strength and conditioning the plyometric work and, etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's uh it's a it's a it's a fun program
1: well we're wrapping it down to the last three minutes we could probably do this for another two or three hours getting the uh the hockey the hockey conversation with doug it gets very deep but doug is a very deep guy when it comes to the world of hockey and we, we've learned that over the course of the years uh doug uh you know that just a couple of quick update on the up on the alexandria what teams are all there is this very similar to what was in moorhead back in september
5: uh no and we we Went to Alexandria last year. We there's okay. uh, there's four uh, four teams that are there. Um, uh, North Star Academy, uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee is there. Uh, Sioux Falls Powers there, and us. And uh, so we'll we'll play three games and go home. And our 16 team and our 18 teams are in uh, Alexandria this weekend.
1: Well, Doug, we sure appreciate you jumping on board. I know Scott, Bernie Perrant, a couple weeks ago now. Doug Smale. how more how much more giddy could you possibly get?
2: Well, what we have to do is we have to get Doug into the Hockey Hall of Fame.
5: <laughs> that's that's a, that's funny.
1: That's funny. He is the holder of the fastest goal to start an NHL game at four seconds. I witnessed it, and I don't know how that St. Louis defenseman passed it to him. I I was cut by St. Louis. That's the only thing I can say. Really? <laughs> anyway, my, my, uh,
5: by the way, my, my, my I was playing with my grandson. Ripped that stick off the wall last week, and he was playing with it, ripping all the tape off. And I'm going, "Holy cow! I don't know if I should be letting you do that."
2: you gotta send that stick to my buddy craig campbell at the hockey hall of fame maybe they'll remember you and get you in
5: Uh, absolutely there'd have to be a there'd have to be a numbers fact on my numbers before that happened
1: Uh, hey doug thanks for joining us on this thursday really do appreciate it hope you had a great time i know we did and uh, we'll talk to you somewhere down the line my friend
5: thank you guys thank you scott so good to speak with you guys
2: hey good to see you Uh, best of luck this weekend
1: that's great that's a great doug smale 20 seconds left on this thing there. Well, Scott, a lot of fun Bye. as always. Take care. Well, happy winter. <laughs> happy you winter. Week. We'll see you next <laughs> Thursday. Stay tuned for UND men's basketball. You're listening to Game on Hockey on 790 and 104.7 FM.